<laughs> Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Wow, I'm just like complete dunderhead this morning, but that's okay. <laughs> Nolan, what's going on with you this week? I understand you've been staying up late playing some games. What have you been up to? Uh, mostly I've been playing a game called Outriders. Uh, it is a third-person uh, shooter, kind of Gears of War, Destiny-style kind of field. Then you add in some weird, awkward, magical powers, uh, bring in a bunch of waves, mobs, and a tier system like Diablo. And uh, I don't know. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, four classes, three talent trees per class, bunch of legendary, rare, random gear. And, uh, yeah, it's been actually kind of fun. I know uh, it's produced by Square Enix, uh, and they've had some server issues and some early launch issues, as most games do. But for being out 10 days, it's been kind of fun. And I've been playing all the classes, and the story is shockingly good, which was something I wasn't expecting. And kind of had a blast with it so very cool well i've done zero gaming <laughs> i got to play wow for a little bit this uh yesterday morning uh before heading up to billings which was fun i got to play with my friend mary who just recently celebrated her birthday so i just wanted to give a quick uh birthday shout out to her she's a huge supporter of the show so we really appreciate that zach didn't you just celebrate your birthday too mm-hmm. yep april I, 1st i thought you did happy birthday and nolan yours is coming Thank up you. pretty quick too isn't it uh yeah the 24th Geez, so many April birthdays. <laughs> well, Zach, happy birthday, my friend. We're so Thank glad you. that you're able to join us. Uh, yeah, so obviously our special guest today is our friend Zach. He is joining us to talk about uh, some character creation stuff. Him and Nolan are going to nerd the fuck out on this stuff because that is what they okay. do. Zach is, uh, you know, it's interesting when we play games is um, I know that I don't have to know the rules very well because I have the two of you who are damn near encyclopedic when it comes to this shit. So I could just like start to nod my head and one of you usually jumps in and he's like, yep, yep, yep that's right. Or nope, that's wrong. And I'm like, see, I knew that. Got to have your, your, your uh, nerd lawyer rule stuff going on always, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, pretty much. If, if you're running the game, you've got enough on your plate. We can at least look things up. <laughs> that's true that's true now conversely if we're playing magic i'm the one that you guys usually look to for rules yep so zach's like nope don't no, i don't whatever. know play mana <laughs> I don't... I'm exactly. there's rules to this game yeah exactly all right so we do have some new stuff that we want to take a look at before we do jump into the topic of the night but there's not a lot of news it's just you know we say this often but it's just one of those time periods where there's just not a lot going on so let's jump down to dungeons and dragons first no real news for DD itself obviously we're getting ready for uh, the release of unrichten's guide to ravenloft uh that cool as i'm pretty sure that's esmeralda on the cover of that alternate art i do have a copy of that on reserve down at puzzles so halen will let me know as soon as it comes in so i'll go pick that up um nolan is that something you're going to pick up on DD beyond uh yeah usually i will skip stuff if it doesn't have a lot uh relevant to what we do but I have a feeling we'll probably play in this one more likely than we will like Eberron or Zendikar or something like that. So uh, it does have a couple of subclasses, which is nice. Uh, it does have some new lineages. And so when there's stuff for players, I usually try and add it so that way when we share content, uh, people can make what they want. Right. Zach, have you had a chance to look at this book at all? Uh, only the news, only like the, uh, the broad overview of what it's going to add. I, th I do think the gothic lineages that they previewed in uh, the UA look pretty cool. So I think yeah, it's going to be a neat book. Like I said, I've already got it on pre-order. I'll be picking that up as soon as it comes in. So it'll be cool. Um, 
Other D&D related news, if you will, is the release of the Magic the Gathering set Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Now, this set is scheduled to come out July 16th. Typically, this is the time that we see the Magic Core set comes out, which kind of resets the blocks, if you will, and uh, get it so where, you know, core sets tend to have a lot more common card. Ah, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just kind of your base. Yeah, it's the base cards. You, you'll see a lot of repetition in core sets. Um, sometimes they'll mix in some stuff that they feel like needs to be in core sets, but this one is going to replace M22, I think it's going to be. So we will see this one in July 20, or in July on Jesus Christ. What the fuck? <laughs> I cannot talk today. We will see this one released July 16th. Uh, like I said, this does replace the core set. As it stands right now, we know that there's going to be collector boosters instead of your normal draft packs. Normal draft packs have 15 cards. It also sounds like there might be some commander decks tied with this set, which was kind of surprising. But it made me wonder, what commanders could you guys see come out of D&D? I think it just depends on what level of balancing power right i think is going to be sure. an interesting thing just to make it there but i think there's plenty of of opportunities there i mean like anybody that runs anything is going to have a shot jarlaxle very easily could be a commander and any it's, it's, it's going to be jarlaxle i mean yeah you think so? say, any yeah. of this stuff is going to be put a plus one plus one drow with lifelink on the field and all of a sudden we got Sauron, you know out there so that's kind of where i see them kind of running that thing anybody that controls people i could see the beholder running you know running the xanthorum oh the xanathar yeah yeah xanathar uh you know so i think some of that stuff there and then also uh who is the depending on time period right if they go a whole scope of things uh abdul mini arrows or whatever his name is you could have an orc type group as well uh bruner could lead the dwarves so I, I think that would be a good yeah, yeah. And, and then you start getting into the crazy role. realm of power right are those guys going to be you know I, I would compare you know uh blackstaff elemister almost to the lines of like nicobolus right so is he going to be like a legendary you know type planeswalker like only one of these guys is going to show up do they actually really lead people from a commander standpoint or do they just manipulate so I think there's a lot of big heroes that you could throw at it, whether they decide to go for it and try and make it make sense, or they're just going to throw out names to throw out names. It'll be hard to see, but so It'd be cool to see someone from like deep lore. Give me, uh, I don't play magic, but you know, give me Zaz Tam or yeah, depending on the timeline and stuff like that, there's some good people that you could experience and even open up more of the world versus just hitting the people yeah. from the books. Give me a God right. or two. Give me ball. Oh, that or asthma, Dan? Yeah, time of trouble type stuff. Yeah, give me you know Helm when he was like messing things up, do stuff yeah, like that. I, but it's gonna be Jarlaxle because Wizard seems to think he is much cooler than he really is. Oh, stop it! Jarlaxle's awesome, and I do think you're right. And, and honestly, if they did Jarlaxle, I can absolutely see it being a blue green or a blue black deck. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what it is. It'll be a nice finally get to see. That way we can kind of anticipate what they're going to do in the future. Again, is it going to be something fun, lore, nerdy that we're really going to enjoy? Or is it just going to be faces on cards to sell cards, right? So right. that'll right. be that. And that's, and that's a good and that's a, that's a good point. Zach, I know you're not much of a Magic player. Every once in a while, you'll play when I throw you a I've, deck and say, here, you're I've playing. I've only played with you. Yeah, I know. Um, but you know, with this being based on Dungeons & Dragons, does this pique your interest at all? 
in an academic sense, I don't actually want to play, but I am interested in seeing how the cards like work and how they try and fit characters that aren't from like the magic lore and then trying to turn them into magic cards. I think that would be interesting. You know? Like are they gonna like have Minsk and Boo? Right. I think I think they're gonna have an easier time doing the D D setting than they will the Warhammer 40k setting. Yeah. Because we will be getting commander decks based on Warhammer 40k. And and that Yeah, that exactly. Be, yeah. I mean there's I think since 40k has a lot more characters that you're supposed to play with, whereas like the Forgotten Realms has a bunch of characters that the DM plays as. Like, there's a lot more named characters in 40k. But I think the factions are a lot more divine. Sure, sure. You know, like roles are there. Yeah. You know, like 40k is set up to be almost a, you know, magic game, right? You're summoning 30 yeah. archers onto the field. You know, I mean, I, I can see the translation. Now all of a sudden you've got. Are you gonna, you know, are you gonna play a goblin deck? Are you gonna play a dwarf deck? Are you gonna, you know, are they gonna do high race stuff? But they've done everything to get away from high race stuff, you know, pitting the races against each other. So I think the 40k will be a lot smoother. I think it'll be a, more interesting to me as a person, just because I probably won't get upset about the. Well, that doesn't seem it, right. That guy's not a white creature or whatever. You know, I, it's like for me, I'm just like, that's some cool art. Let's go. You know what I would like, just like high concept no named characters from 40k none at all and instead they just give you cards that you draw on to make your own dudes that would be like, interesting but unfortunately when you're putting out a commander set you know individual yeah. decks it's going to be really difficult to do now i could see something along the lines of your commander is is just chapter master yeah. instead of being like ragnar or carnius or um, is it uh, mal Whatever I can't say names today. Whatever Agnes or yeah, Robo you know whether you're like going to pull Primarchs or whether you're going to pull yeah. uh, current chapter masters or, or or you know go into chaos and grab a Baden or Karn or someone like that. Um, it would be interesting to see just a blanket chapter master. Yeah. Um, whereas like with the D and D set, I Nolan, I don't think we're going to see the races. I, I think it's going to be like we'll see a character like say Dred Stewarden, who is you know green, black, blue, or something like that. Green, white, blue. I don't know. Whatever. I'm just throwing out colors here, and then have stuff like I bet you in that deck you would see like his friends like Caterbury and Bruner and and Wolfgar it's, and things like that. See, and that's the that's the downside of it because there are so many. Uh, you know, you could have a drill matron mother, right? And when she's on the battlefield, you know, all droll droush soldiers get bonuses. Like they're sure. set up that way to have these leaders. You know, Bruner Battlehander makes a good dwarf commander. And I, I you know, I'm a type of person who likes to play the thematic things. I'll play soldiers, I'll play humans, I'll play merfolk. And so that was kind of the thing of, you know, like you were saying, Zach, Zaz Tam shows up and all of a sudden you've got a lich deck where now it's Liliana yeah. or whatever her name is, right? And and she's the zombie, you know, creating tokens or whatever. I mean I think you've got these parallels of saying, oh yeah, I could see, you know, I could see that character fitting in here and be fairly easy for him but right. I, I think that is a tough thing like like you said you know do you yeah. do it or do you not but also you have to do what sells yeah yeah, yeah exactly if a dritz deck is gonna sell and a jarlaxle deck is yep. gonna sell are you really gonna do like a 
ball spawn from Baldur's you know what you could deck do? that no you know one's going to buy? So, you know, if you think about, if you go back and think about, like, how they've done some of the decks before, they would put two to three legendary creatures in those commander decks, so you could pick and choose which commander you're going to play with each time. So they could do, like, a Icewind Dale-type set where you could play with and and have like dwarves and stuff like that mixed in. So where okay today I'm going to use Bruner instead of Dridst, and my deck's going to get this, and it kind of changes the the style of your deck. Now that could be something that they could do. And the same with even like Jarlaxle. Instead of calling it the Jarlaxle deck, it's now the Drow deck, and you have all those different things, you know, subterfuge and and sly magic and things like that, where you have you know the the drow abilities now the the nice thing about magic versus dnd is that we don't have the inherent like this race is evil we don't have that in magic because there is no alignments in magic so i think you you will have the opportunity here to take those quote you know historically evil races like the drow and make them into a deck that is more demir style and that's blue and uh, blue and uh, black so i think if you pull from like the ravnica guild idea and use that in the D&D setting, you could create some pretty fucking cool commander decks that might be a lot of fun to play. And I do think, you know, we've seen it with the translation of magic into D&D with Ravnica and Theros. And um, I, I'm just so surprised that they haven't done Innistrad yet. I guess I shouldn't be because Ravenloft is really, you know, where Innistrad would lie. But you see those, those magic decks or magic uh, settings coming into uh D&D. So the translation back from D&D to Magic makes perfect sense and I do think, you know, pulling along the lines of Ravnica and using the guild structure, uh taking some legendary creatures and using that structure to create commander decks would be pretty cool. I'm not saying I'm going to go buy it. Lord knows I've spent enough money on Magic, but I will say that if the art is right, I may pick up like if there's a really cool looking Dritz Duerden card, I'll probably end up buying it. I know looking at like the uh, Walking Dead stuff that they did, uh, there was two color and three color stuff. So I think that opens up as well. I mean, and, and that is in a, a world that doesn't necessarily even fit in. So I think the translation for both those games will be a little bit easier to look at somebody and be like, okay, why is this one green, black, or whatever? So I think. And so again, like just from a neophyte's outsider perspective, do does Wizards try and balance like around a mono colored deck like everyone is supposed to be playing as red or white or black or do they really like lean into the idea that people are going to mix and match and create any number of combinations you know this very much leans into what we're going to be talking about tonight with multi-classing and and finding a way to do it without multi-classing i believe that's what we're talking about right nolan yeah, kind of. Uh, so it very much leans into that. Yes, you can play monocolor commander decks, but remember your deck is 100 cards and it's only single copies of each card. So by adding extra colors into the deck, it really allows you to branch off. Typically, now we again, we have seen those monocolor decks, but most commander decks are multiple colors. So being able, and that's why I keep saying like Jarl Axel's going, I would, there's just no way I could not see him be blue black. Okay. Um, he's not going to be straight blue. He's not going to be straight black. He is a mixture of those two colors. He really is a great example of that. And if people, if you don't agree with me, please tell me because uh, I think you're wrong, but <laughs> it's just how I think. Um, but yeah, no wizards knows that 
when it comes to Magic the Gathering, people are going to mix the colors. Okay. You almost have to. Rarely do you see in any even competitive Magic, rarely do we see a deck that is monocolored. Nolan, correct me if I'm wrong here. It, yeah, it depends. And I think some of it, too, for this kind of stuff, if you make... If you make five monocolor decks, that's a minimum of 500 cards, right? That you have to do. Uh, so if you have black, white, and then like a white, red, you can sneak in, you know, 10 white cards between the two and you don't have to put in as much work. So I think there's a cost saving measure as well. Sure. And if like, if your red, white deck, so to speak, is El Minster, why wouldn't you throw Fireball in, right? Fireball is a classic magic card. It's a classic D&D spell. It makes perfect sense to mix the two in. So if you're running something like El Minster, who we know can cast a fucking Fireball, why wouldn't you go ahead and just drop the Fireball card in? You're saving yourself money. You don't need to hire a new artist for it. And, well, people like casting Fireball both in D&D and in magic. That makes sense. So yeah, anyway. I just didn't know if it was something where it's like Wizards is like you can do this, but really you're supposed to just have a red deck. Well, that yeah, makes I, sense. If you only got a hundred cards, you can't fit. You know, I think you just up, like, giving yourself options. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Yep. So that is really all I saw for Wizards of the Coast slash D and D. Did you guys see anything else that I'm missing? Were there any new like figure releases, like the goddamn Tiamat model coming out? Zach, did you hear about the t model? Yeah, I've actually Holy seen it. Twenty-eight inch wingspan. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's yeah. larger than the. It is wider than the table I am sitting at. That's awesome. <laughs> if I were to sit it down, it would extend out a little bit farther. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. <laughs> All right, so let's jump over to Onyx Path. Uh, the Kickstarter for Trinity Continuum Adventure, exclamation point there, is doing very well. The initial ask was 35000 and they're sitting just over $85,000 on that. Uh, there is still 11 days to back this one, so if it's something you're interested in, be sure to check it out. Uh, this, My understanding is the Trinity Continuum Adventure is very pulpy, so a lot of, like, I think, pulp adventures um that's kind of where they went with this uh, i'm not a trinity continuum player zach have you ever looked at trinity continuum no i'm not familiar with it yeah it's a classic onyx path slash white wolf game i know it's very popular it's just not something i ever got into and i know nolan hasn't gotten into it because him and i've talked about it before is it world of darkness it is not it okay. is outside the world of darkness it's in the story path system if i remember correctly okay uh, Onyx Path did announce the backer kit for M20 Victorian Age Mage launched this past Wednesday. So if you did miss that Kickstarter, you can still you know pre-order that book. I don't know how the backer kits work. I don't know if you still get the stretch goals and stuff that were unlocked. I don't believe you do. Otherwise, why would you back the Kickstarter, right? Uh, yeah. However, if you do want to pre-order the book, you can still get it at the Kickstarter price by going to the backer kit. And I could be way wrong on the stretch goals. It could be that you could log in there, back it, and like, hey, look, you you get the stretch goals too. Congratulations. But I have no idea. It's a case by case basis. It could be. <laughs> uh, as for the Scion TV show that we talked about last week, there isn't really any news on that. Rich Thomas did say that it sounds like the, the company is getting the pitch together uh, to start shopping it around to see which network might want to pick that up. Uh, I actually am really hopeful that this one comes to fruition and that we actually get to see a, sh a show on this. I think it could be a lot of fun. Zach, I'm curious, have you ever heard of Scion? I've heard of it. I'm not really familiar with the mechanics. 
Yeah, it's another one of those story path systems. Oh, that was something I saw this week. Onyx Path released a story path primer. Uh, it sounds like it's just a uh, kind of a primer on understanding how the story path system works. Now, I got to say, I like the idea, and this is one of the things that I loved about classic World of Darkness when it first came out, was that if you picked up werewolf or mage or vampire, you were using the same rule system. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't different. So with, with a lot of Onyx Path stuff, uh, they use the story path system. So Dystopia Rising, uh, Scion, Trinity, uh, any of the Chronicles of Darkness games. Uh, they came from Beneath the Sea. All those games are using the story path system. So if you have an idea or an understanding of how to play it, and Nolan, you and I talk about this quite a bit about, hey, look, here's this new setting, but it's using 5e rules. So we already know the rules. Now we can explore the setting. So I really like that they're putting out a primer to understand how to use the story path system. And 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 I think it just makes it easier to jump in and, and try out those new games. What are your thoughts, Nolan? I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot of games that you probably wouldn't give the time if you didn't know how to play it. And there's a lot of games that we avoid from a standpoint of, well, I don't, you know, trying to get everybody at the table on board to learn a new system. Uh, I think Pathfinder is probably the biggest example of it. Um, I know they got some yeah. pretty amazing uh, stories out there and they produce quite a bit of content. Um, but the the level of, not necessarily detail, but the level of paperwork that goes into each character seems yeah. pretty aggressive and trying to pick that up and then trying to step back into 5e for some games and back to, you know, I just ain't nobody got time for that. It's also, it's harder with like a, like Dungeons and Dragons as like it's exception based rules where every single instance is a rule in and of itself. Like Fireball and Lightning Bolt don't work the same, even if they deal damage in their third level spells. They're each their own rule. But in World of Darkness or things of that sort, everything follows the same mechanics. Roll the number of dice, see how many successes you have. And, you know, some yep. things just work, but then it's the other, you know, another player or another NPC who rolls and they all roll and all the rules work exactly the same. And that makes it much easier to get into another version. It, it really does. And and I'm actually, I, I, the story path system, you know, I've talked to a few people from Onyx Path uh, where they've explained the story path system a little bit to me. And it really is a, a fascinating system. I like the idea of, you know, succeeding at a cost you roll the dice you failed but you can go ahead and try to succeed at a cost and and or or you roll the dice you didn't get as many successes as you want you still succeeded but there's a consequence for that succession uh and, and it, it to me it really it really adds a, a bit of realism if you will to your game like you're sneaking through the the air vents and yes you were able to you know drop into that office the way you wanted to. But guess what? The air vent actually broke. And now the whole vent is lying in the floor of the office. Yes, you're in there, but <laughs> um, you just alerted the guards that you're there too. So I, I think there's some, you know, ways to add some cool realism by using that system. Uh, and and like you, like you both said, it's nice to see a system that I can take and grab five different, six different games and play and know how it works. Yeah. Yeah, you can just focus on the game and not the details. Yep, and I like that. I like that a lot. 
Um, that's Thanks. all. Oh, I guess uh, backers of Cults of the Blood Gods. Yeah, uh, you should have gotten an email letting you know that, it, you know, basically last chance to lock in your address because the book is getting ready to ship. It sounds like it is at the Kickstarter Fulfillment Center. So that book should be coming out very, very soon. I'd imagine the next couple of weeks. So if you back Cults of the Blood Gods, get ready to get your hands on that book because it is, should be on its way very, very soon. Speaking of on its way, Nolan, any updates on Tolis? Nope. Damn it. Uh, Sorry. Not even an email. I want to see this book. This is going to be one of those where the three of us are going to have to get together when this book comes in and just pour over it. Right? I keep looking and I'm like, I'm just going to get a PDF too. Well, I think Nolan backed it high enough that we're all getting a book. (laughs) I got some, yeah, there's some stuff. We'll see what it is, but yeah, everybody should have, I got enough players guides for, I think five people and wow. I don't remember what else came with it, but there was a lot. Yep. There was. Yeah. The last thing I got was just some more photos and stuff like that on April 1st. Yep. That was it. I mean, they need to fall on your leg. Let's jump over to my so Modiphius announced the release of Dune Adventures in the Imperium uh, PDF on DriveThru RPG. So the cost of this PDF is $19.95. This is coming out before the actual hardcover of this book, which is currently available for pre-sale on their website. Um, Zach, are you a fan of Dune? I'm a big fan of Dune. Is this a game that would interest you? Uh, I, I am not sure. I'm probably going to get a PDF. I love Dune. I could talk about Dune literally all day and not run out of stuff to talk about, but I'm just not sure what you do in that world. That's yeah, fair. I, I feel like it's kind of along the lines of like, is it going to be like Vampire, where it's like less combat and more just political one up in some snobby high society? Like, I, or what are we going to do? Because right? I know, like, reading through it and stuff like that, like, I'll go and I'll read a paragraph and then I'll go back and reread a paragraph. I'm like, I think he's talking smack, but he's doing it very nicely. And I'm trying to figure out if you're supposed to be insulted or not. Should I be mad or no? Wheels within wheels. I mean, what did, what, I don't know. What class do you pick? I have no idea. Um, Well, I guess you could go pick up the PDF and find out. (laughs) Right. I probably will, but I'm just not sure what you do in that world. Is it like a spice? Did you sell spice? Uh, yeah, I have like, no clue. Fight you know? sandworms? <laughs> it, yeah, it says in the thing, the Dune Adventures is an Imperium role-playing game that takes you into a far future where fear is the mind killer, so be sure to keep your wits about you. The Imperium is a place of deadly duels, feudal politics, and mysterious abilities in a universe where a blade can change the fortune of millions. Build your house, carve your place in the universe, or rebuild an ancient lineage and fight for the Imperial throne. I mean that sounds that sounds very much up my alley. I would like a game where it's about feudal politics in space. That is yeah. my jam. It would be interesting. I'm just, I'm just wondering if at one point the DM comes forward and it's just like, here, you drink this, and now you have to play as your ancestor. Could be. So, guys, uh-huh. I, I hate to do this, but I actually have to step out. Um, I did just get paged to an emergency, so I'm going to let you two continue. Um, Nolan, just wrap it up when you're done and kick Craig out, and I will grab it when I get home and get it done, and I will see you both later this afternoon. All right, man. Be safe. Okay. All right. Later, guys. Uh-oh. Well, hopefully no one's hurt. Yeah. 
Uh, so for those of you that don't know, Patrick is on the uh, uh, volunteer fire department, uh, has moved his way up several ranks and is in a position now where he gets to kind of not say no to stuff and goes and when he has to go. So, um, yeah, yeah. As far as the Dune thing goes, I've got people that either love it or hate it. Um, I'm super excited for the movie coming out. Uh, I I am very much looking forward to it. I hope they do it well with respect. And um, just from a standpoint, I know the people that are fans of it are super loyal fans. Uh, I've got a buddy that plays D&D with, or not D&D, played WoW with me, and eventually got into a, a long conversation of why his uh, paladin's name was Thufur Hawat. So <laughs> it's like, that's the weirdest name ever. And he goes, Oh, you don't know. And so he got oh, a book. <laughs> Let's see here. As far as other news of the week, uh, looks like Patrick had some notes on Chaosium, a new release for a call of Cthulhu this week. Does love forgive. This book includes two one to one adventures with the theme being love. The book is available in soft cover format only and has a reasonable price of 1295. Uh, okay. I have never done a one-on-one role-playing session. I think, I guess I have like first session zeros, but you? No, I never have. We've talked about it a, a few times on here and, uh, you know, having a backstory versus playing a backstory. I yeah. think it is, is so much better because we all internalize it of like, oh, and then I did this and then this happened to me. And so I, I would like to get more into them, especially for like session zeros where you kind of like, okay, well, you were the last survivor of this war. Yeah, that yeah. was me. That's what I did. How did you survive? Let's go. You know, and so then it's internalized and, and you make it your own. So, yeah. I mean, we've I, we've all had to step aside, go with no, go with you or go with Patrick into another room and just be like, well, here is what's happening. You know, no one else out there knows. Here's what's going on. I imagine it would just be that, but for, you know, four hours. Yeah. So I, I think, which sounds fun. Yeah, like, I'm good with it. Not all heroes need five people venturing into Mordor. Sometimes you got to split off and yeah. take the farthest step from home you've ever taken. So, yeah, every time. So, for the topic of the week, uh, I was looking through Reddit, and as I like to do every now and then, you get the weird questions. And one of them for the D&D side of things was um, without multi classing, all the subclasses now that are out there. Uh, everything that we've had, new classes, new subclasses, new things. Is there anything class-wise or role or ability or theme that you feel like is missing that you can't play without, of course, multi-classing? Um, and some of the examples and stuff like that were, I think, kind of piggybacking off of each other. Uh, one of the ones that I really liked was, like, if uh, Sorcerer Origin, like, if it's strong enough to be in your blood, can that blood also make a pact? So, yeah. Could you be a dragon warlock? You know, does it have to be one of these things of these high entities of power? Um, we've we've seen genie warlocks. Could you be a descendant of a genie and just be a genie sorcerer? All right. So I think those two not, not only do they synergize well as far as classes go, um, it's interesting to see like how much they are very similar in different forms. One of them is the pact giver, I guess, and then the yeah. other one is the pact taker, but some interchangeable stuff. And I don't know if that necessarily gives you anything that's missing because I guess you can do that. Um, as far as, is there a theme or a class that you wish you could play or feel is missing or um, you really have to stretch the rules to make work? I think, I think there's a couple, I think, especially with Dungeons and Dragons, the idea is to like fill an archetype and the feeling of that archetype. So 
you know, like if you wanted to rip and tear, you can play a barbarian where you just freak out, deal a lot of damage, and you don't have to worry about getting hit because you just have hit points for days. And there's like, if you wanted to like be really knowledgeable, you know, you just play a wizard and you choose divination, and now you know everything, you can see everything. Mm -hmm. But I. I feel like there's a lot of archetypes, like sub-archetypes out there that they don't really get. Like, how do you play someone that, like, is a grappler who, when they grab a hold of something, can just rip them limb from limb? Right. Like, are you saying, like, pull apart through strength, or...? Yeah, like, you just grab some, like... Yeah, as you said, kind of gave played... us the Battle Rager, right? But that was kind of like, you latch on and wriggle. Yeah, yeah, right. You just like shake like a dog. It's just it's not the same feeling of being someone who is so strong and like skilled and grappling. Right. You're you're uh, applying pressure. Yeah, almost uh, not necessarily. Well, maybe like a sneak attack to a broken bones or where you could in. Yeah. Uh, do some sort of debuff through it. Like they make a Constitution saving throw because you just broke their arm or something. Yeah. You know, and it gives a feeling of like Kratos from God of War, where once someone is stunned and he grabs them, like they're they're doomed. He's too yeah. strong. Or even like Batman from Arkham Asylum, those games, where he punches, throws them to the ground, and then breaks a limb, and now they're done. Yeah, they disable some sort of knockout. Uh... And you can't really get that feeling in Fifth Edition. I've tried. I have tried, and it's just. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's hard. And I think it's hard because I think the feeling that that would give is like an overwhelming sense of strength. Right. Like, I've got a hold of you. I imagine it's what a lot of people feel when, like, a Division One wrestler grabs you. Or if The Rock grabbed you. It's like, <laughs> you're like, you're done. You're the screwed. The big dude has got you. You ain't going nowhere. Yeah, like, you can't move. You can't do anything. And there might be a way of doing that too. Of you know, we've we've dealt with the issues of uh, knocking people out unconscious and stuff like that, yeah. a finishing thing. And maybe that's one of those things of you you steal the uh, critical role type thing of how do you want to do this? I'm like, all right, you know, I've got him in a chokehold or whatever. Yeah. You know, I you know I suffocate him until he passes out, or as he punches me or whatever, I grab his arm, you know, break his arm, and he passes out from the pain or whatever. Like we'll deal with his yeah. broken arm later, but he's done. He's subdued. Um, I know one of the more popular uh, classes, subclasses, uh, homebrew type things is called the Pugilist. And it is a strength-based yeah. boxer-esque. You know, we look at Monk and they're very finesse. Yeah. And I know you can go strength or dex, but you really kind of limit yourself. Um, Barbarian yeah. doesn't get a fighting style. Uh, yeah. So you can't go unarmed with it. You know, I suppose, again, as a human or whatever, I know they added Path of the Beast. But that's a little more violent. Um yeah, if you want to play Mike Tyson, right? I mean, that's just gonna do. Yeah, you're not, and you're knocking somebody out. Yeah, I think, I think it's hard. And I mean, for people who were like interested in something like that, you can just go to your DM, and be like, I want to play Barbarian, but can I use the Monk unarmed table? It's like I'm still limiting myself to you know one d four hit until I'm level five, like. Yeah, I, I, your DM says no. You're like, all right, I'll pick up a great axe and do one d twelve. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, oh, oops. Okay, like I'll just I'll use an axe now, and it's one d eight, and I'm still grabbing people and hitting them with the axe. Like, I can't see a DM complaining if you were going to limit yourself that way. But you're yeah, still for, not really fulfilling the brief, right? It doesn't give you the 
again, you've got an 18 strength and you're punching for 1d4. It's the same as the dex month. You know, you're doing the same damage. Like there needs to be like an overclock or something like that. I don't know. Like yeah, give, it's... maybe it's just give strength some love in general. Give us compound bows or something where you need a strength to pull it back or something. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was going to be my other one of like a strength-based ranged character. I know that uh, kind of just dabbling through like some of the Scarred Land stuff and having some of that, I know there was a barbarian archer and while raging, you ignored, like you weren't focused, like you you weren't flinching by things being in melee range with you. There was no disadvantage on your attacks. And yeah, like that's cool stuff. Um, I also was looking at, uh, okay, so we have like arcane tricksters. We have Eldritch Knights, which are subclasses of, uh, a wizard ish right is there a path for that in a uh cleric side or a druid side or do we just call that the paladin and ranger and move on i think that was the intention okay you know call it call it good (laughs) i i always go back to that kind of stuff because i think one of the uh uh it was the I think it's like Book of Heavenly Deeds. Uh, they came out within 3.5. One of them was like the uh, the Sacred of Azrael or something like that. And it was a, you had to have so much rogue, you had to have so much cleric, uh, and you multi-classed into this holy assassin. Like even the church needs bad guys to disappear. Yeah. And so I always look at that like, I don't know. I think that would be a, a fun take on if we could pull in a divine style thing. But again, like you said, we'll just play Paladin. Well, Paladin is really, I mean, maybe I don't care about charisma or plate mail like I want. You know. Yeah, like I agree. I think that there would be. I know the critical role Matt Mercer Bloodhunter as a like a, um, like a one third warlock caster subclass. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been nice to see some more of that. You know, like get weird with it. Yeah, give some weird. of the pure classers classes, um, or casters at least. Uh, I can and see it with what? the bard as well. Uh, yeah. just, uh, and maybe that's what the arcane trickster was supposed to be like illusions, but, uh, being the only class that gives inspiration, uh, I would like to see a, maybe a combat focus. And, and that's a lot for me just playing this glory paladin. It gets an inspired smite. So it does something yeah. after an ability. Uh, I could see that with a fighter, you know, after you use a maneuver or whatever you inspire allies around you or yourself, you know, if you're egotistical enough, it'd be like, did you see that hit? God, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm the best. Um, anything else you feel missing? I mean, and do you think we've got it all? Is there a, a gaping hole of your saying, you know, if they ever add this class or. I mean, I feel like, I feel like between the 12, like the whole 12 classes that they've given you, and then you can add blood hunter and you can add all the other numbers, like the things that people come up with to fill these gaps. Like, I don't think there's an archetype out there that you can't play. But do you think there's like a play style that none of the classes really fill? Um, you know, I think if I look at it from a standpoint of, uh, for me, a lot of stuff gets compared to like MMOs, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we, the, I think there's opportunity for having lockdown characters. I think we can have tanks without having a taunt. Um, you really have to get invested with some feats with like polearm and sentinel and not letting stuff get past you. I would yeah. like to see a, uh, maybe not necessarily preventative damage. Cause you kind of get that with the bar, but like a, a, a bubble, a shield, a temporary hit point style focused healer. 
uh, where it is like, I'm not going to heal the wounds, but I can put these layers of protection on you that get absorbed first. Um, I know we have a couple of spells that dabble with it, but I never feel like, like I gave you five temporary hit points with aid to three people is, is fine, but that's, you know, half a hit in most cases. I would like to see that yeah. whenever you cast this shield or this blessing or whatever it is, you could really amp it up to you're putting these wards out on people to protect them. And I don't know if that's a, a druid thing. I don't know if that's a cleric thing or a bard thing, like, or even a wizard oh, healer that way or... Uh, a fighter thing um it would be that that's probably the only thing that i could see i mean again i think you can do a lot of builds i think balancing them is not necessarily what you look at when you're trying to play some of those roles but i like temporary hit points uh i think that's pretty cool i think the inspired you know inspiring leader again it's just it's it's maybe a hit and i suppose you know in D D 5v when things last maybe four rounds taking a round off from a bad guy chewing through temporary hit points is probably a good thing, but yeah, I would like I to see it. I'd like to see somebody focus on it, whether it was like an ab, the abjuration wizard, right. Or something like that. Take that to 11. Let there just be a class. Maybe that's a, where the psionics go. Maybe that's how yeah. they heal or something, but that's, that's my only missing thing I think is, is uh, yeah. temporary hit points. I know that like for wargaming, there's a lot of rules where like in 40 K, um, there'll be certain like units and if someone is trying to shoot past them, they have to target that unit instead. Okay. So I could see something like that where it's like, you know, I'm a fighter and or I'm a paladin. And it's one of those things where it's like the DM says, hey, you know, this monster is going to run up and try and hit me. Uh-uh-uh. It has to target me with its abilities first. Right. Like it has to move closer to me and it has to try and hit me. And then it can go after the wizard. And like, it, you it would be nice to... if you did like through like intimidation or something, right? Like if you're fighting yeah. you know, a group of animals, the animals aren't necessarily going to go for the wizard in the back casting. He's scrawny and weak. He's going to go after the thing that's a threat that looks like a bear in the front row. You know, maybe that's yeah. an intimidation base, base type situation. So um, I think anything you're getting in like, I think that that's got to be hard mechanically to like remember one more crazy rule when you already got so many other things so right i think fifth edition is missing someone who is like very good at manipulation i i, I it's tough without the again the multi-classing because it is a little bit barred yeah but i think the moment you say barred you're like oh sing me a song and you're like i'm, I'm not that I'm gonna, way I'm, I'm not gonna do that i'm gonna cast geos on your brain right like i uh, I saw and the I don't uh, aberrant soul, uh, right? The new kind of the psionic sorcerer has a lot of those kind of inline type situations. Uh, I imagine just being dropping a fireball is cool, but being able to be inside somebody's mind has to be the next level of just terrifying and scary. Like I don't think it gets the credit, and I think that, that I think that would be kind of I don't know. Maybe it's under a warlock thing with the disguise self as will at will. Uh, but again, now we're starting to like, it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of this a class, a couple levels yeah. of this. And I think that's that's where I think I've grown into. I'm When I build classes and stuff like that, it's I try not to multi-class unless I'm trying to go for that role. What are you yeah. building? I'm building a mind mage. What the hell is a mind mage? Well, it's uh -huh. a little bit of bard. 
and it's a it's a little bit of a little bit of warlock and a little bit of aberrant soul sorcerer right i'm, I'm tapping into the great old one we're bringing that in I yeah can read minds i can inspire others well how do you inspire people as a mind mage i see what motivates you i look into my ally's mind and tell them what they need to hear in that moment right yeah. like i think turn it to a positive don't make it a negative like go nuts so yeah and i just I don't know. Like, I don't think there's a way to feel like you're playing like light Yagami from Death Note, or even like Paul Atreides from Dune. Someone who's just like two or three steps ahead. But also, how do you like rules that for like Dungeons and Dragons? Like, I gotta be like, hey, I'm gonna make these skill checks against this NPC, and after that, he has to do a thing that I am telling the DM it will further my plan down the road like at that point your dm just has to be like yeah right like, how do you do you write it's like hey it's a dc 22 intelligence check and if i get that i get to figure out what he does next it's like well, maybe we, the dm doesn't know what he's doing next right he's, just he, he's making it up as he goes to try and make it an interesting story and uh, i think the problem that we've had with fifth edition is that the things that have been left up to the dm's discretion that there aren't hard rules for end up being too hard which is why the ranger is not very good that makes sense uh let's see what is it one of the uh battle master right i think they get a thing of like know your enemy or if you study something for yeah. a minute you get a bunch of stuff i i would like to see maybe if you could play on that and make it faster right as a bonus action you study this with an intelligence check or whatever you know on a high enough check or whatever, you have advantage on attack rolls and it has disadvantage. And all of a sudden you're Sherlock Holmes fighting this thing, right? Because you're, yeah. you're seeing the mathematical angles of this thing. I figured you out. You've already lost. Then you can start talking the trash as, you know, okay, it's attacking a disadvantage. Why is it? It's like, I'm in your brain, son. And then you punch him really hard or whatever. So Yeah. You don't get to do that like Jonathan Joestar where he's like, your next words are, did you know this was going to happen? And then the guy's like, did you know this was going to happen? Like, you can't do that in 5th edition without, like, a command spell. Right. And, again, like you said, the, the level of knowledge from the DM of, like, you know, I think that's where, like, the div divination wizard ends up kind of being like, okay, I need to know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Like, you know, even the stuff with, like, roll the bones and knowing the weather and stuff like that, you kind of put your DM on the spot of, like, hey, how's the weather going to be the next week? Like I hadn't gotten that far. Like it, it wasn't going to matter until you asked. Really now that DM now. has to like roll behind a screen to be like, uh, sunny, sunny. Uh, there's gonna be rain three days from now. Like that's all I needed to know. Come on, DM, don't you know what you're doing? Jeez. Right? Yeah. Don't you have the weather planned out on a day by day basis going forward for years? How no, long till Christmas? That, so I think that makes it. I think that also makes it kind of difficult. Like, I think there's some things for 5th edition that, honestly, it's just, like, one of those things for, like, play Vampire the Masquerade. Right. Yeah, I think that is one of those. Uh, it It's really hard to play a non-combat-style D&D game. And I think when we look at stuff... Um, oh, I lost you, Zach. Did you cut out? I cut out. You cut out. There we go. Welcome I'm back. sorry. I'm back. <laughs> You're good. Um, that does kind of make, uh, okay. So is there, we've, we've got some storm stuff. Uh, is there, is there a weather wizard out there that needs to happen? Or is that just a druid? Can you do that? Yeah. As a druid? 
I don't think you can. Huh? Is there a control weather spell? I don't know. I guess, yeah, you can kind of free stuff up a little bit, but I don't know about harnessing. I guess there's called lightning. Again, being a weather wizard sounds really cool until you're four levels deep in a dungeon and there is no weather. Right. I mean, Storm Spear is pretty cool, but like, that's just a lightning bolt. Like, <laughs> it's not really the same thing. Where did you get that from? All right. So, given the grand scheme of things with multi classing, you can probably come up with just about everything. Uh, to make some of the stuff easier, um, maybe it's just through feats, right? If, if you got one of those things, uh, you know, let everybody be a variant human, start with a feat at first level to get Sentinel online so you're a better tank, so you can take a fighting style unarmed so you can be the brawler. Yeah. Uh, I, I think feats kind of fill in those gaps never get enough feats and maybe that's why i think about pathfinder a lot just because that's all that game is sometimes it seems like his feats um, i mean second edition pathfinder is literally just feats everything is called a feat right yeah you just what do you do this oh well you gain a feat oh, okay you gain a skill feat then you get a class feat um all right yeah i I don't know. I always, I think there's not enough time, not enough games to play all the crazy ideas that come through. Um, I, I don't know. I'll have to start cruising some homebrew sections too and just kind of see. D&D Beyond makes it so much easier just to have classes that are already in. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I could fill out a character sheet with pen and paper anymore. So, Yeah, I had a, an Adobe Acrobat script that helped that someone posted online. More purple, more, uh, more purple, more better. I used that for years. And now nice. D Beyond is kind of like made it much easier. Yeah, even had dice rolling. and I guess that was the intent. <laughs> well, you know? and you could only pack so many times your books away and unpack your books away. and, mm -hmm. and So it, I mean, it is gone, nice. I've gone through three players' handbooks already. Jeez. Oh, of just like, well, I'm on my third. Like one got wet, and then the next one got torn in half, just because I dropped it wrong. And I was like, sure is nice having an like an electronic version that I can pull up on my phone. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, and it sounds like they're doing some stuff to make that better as well. So you don't need two apps anymore. Everything's going to yeah. get combined to one. So that'll be nice. Yeah. All right, Zach. Well, I can. I think we could probably ramble on and on, but I don't have any more topics Hours. or any more news. Uh, I think we are maybe playing D&D &D today. I believe we are, but we'll find out. <laughs> give or take uh, if Patrick makes it back. Give or take if Patrick doesn't, uh, you know, have to stop another grass fire. Yeah, it's that time of year. It's that time of year, yep. Windy and just hot enough. All right. Well, everybody, thank you uh, so much for listening. Uh, we will, I don't know what we're talking about next week, but hopefully there'll be some news. Uh, hopefully we'll get some Tola stuff coming out. Uh, yeah, I don't, I think that's kind of all I got. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks for having me on. Much love, everyone. Yeah, thanks, Zach. We appreciate it. Until uh, next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>